I've received a Christmas present this morning. <laughs> there were folks that are here that I wasn't expecting, and what a great... It is truly like finding some presents under the tree. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God, I am so thankful this morning. Not just because we've chosen this holiday to celebrate your birth, Lord. I am truly thankful today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together, Lord, all of us. Some of us who haven't seen each other for a while. But Lord, we're gathered in your name. And whether it be Christmas Day or whether it be just another day, Father, we are gathered in your name. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, you are here. You are with us. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that everything that is done will bring glory to your name. And Lord, that somehow, some way, you will give grace to those of us who are in this room and those who may be watching digitally, Father, extend your grace. Father, that we may learn, that we may be filled. Lord, that we would spiritually have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive everything that you have for us. So, Lord, that when this day is over and we begin the next day, if that be your will, you'll be glorified in our lives. Father, let this day that seems to be a special day, let this day be a spiritual marker for all of us. Lord, that we, something is established spiritually, Lord. Let there be revival where revival needs to take place. Father, let there be healing spiritually where spiritual healing needs to take place. Lord, let there be reconciliation, yes, unto God, but more importantly, Father, among family members, among friends. Father, all of those things that are freely given to us in Christ Jesus. And most of all, Lord, your shalom, your peace. Thank you for all of that and thank you that it will be different today. In your name, Jesus, amen? amen. And amen. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to begin in Isaiah chapter 9, and this is also part of the prophecy, what Rachel had read to you, it's same timing, I mean this is uh, about between seven and 800 years before Jesus was born, but beginning in um, chapter 9 verse 1, nevertheless the gloom will not be upon her who, distressed, who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. <clears throat> this was prophesied approximately, again, between seven and 800 years he spoke this, he, Isaiah, spoke this. Let's go to Matthew now in chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Some of it will be on the board, but just listen. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, of course that's John the Baptist, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun, Naphtali, 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the Tali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. My brothers and sisters, throughout history, I mean, we know uh, the oppression that God's people had experienced, mostly brought on by themselves. But it's called, in that land, Northern Galilee, that's where Jesus started his ministry. That's where the first sound went out as it related to his message, his word, his preaching. It had been uh, in Gentile hands back and forth, and, but the Assyrians, that's the area that the Assyrians first occupied. They took it over. And so that's, my brothers and sisters, in part of that message, in part of what, you know, it made sense to them when it was talking about being distressed, this land. And now this land, light has come. Amen? Awesome, awesome. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now I'm going to go, I, I, listen, stay with me. As is my custom, I'm going to give you some scripture here that is the basis, the foundation for I believe what God wants to speak to us today. Amen? So now continuing into John, John 3.16, everybody knows this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So now look at the rest with me, verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and has not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Now, my brothers and sisters, over the period of the last months, weeks, however, I mean, we're talking about our minds having to change. We're talking about contending for the faith. We're talking about knowing what the truth is and, and not having the uh, disinformation, the uh, false teachings as it relates to spiritual, as it relates to just the everyday things, the concepts, the culture, not having that pollute our minds, but the truth. Amen? And, and it's been recorded you go back and listen but many of you have been with me for a while how my heart has gone out for the young people because the young people are being so misled and they're growing up in a culture they don't have some of the benefits that we had even before I was born again there was still Judeo-Christian values in the culture that's unheard of now right amen so it, it's it, it and there's this darkness there and it makes me mad I've shared with you I mean it frust it's frustrating and you have to pray for me and pray for each other because it gets in my way sometimes it it, it wells up in me all right but I have good news Miss Sarah's going to come and share with us just a minute come on Miss Sarah came uh, Wednesday with Miss Sandra her mom. And Miss Sarah is a minister, and she ministers on campus. And I wanted her, she, it warmed my heart to hear what she had to say about what God is doing through that ministry. And I just wanted to take, give her a minute and share with you so that your heart can be lightened as mine, please.
was born my freshman year of college while I was on the campus at USF. And uh, we just go out there and simply ask, like, if you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? And through that question, it opens up a lot of doors because a lot of people don't believe in heaven or they believe in heaven and no one's actually told them how to get there. And uh, through that, we've met a lot of students who, you know, even if they don't believe in God, they want to know the truth. Amen. Um, and so through that, we just simply are like, let's sit down together and let's talk about what the Bible says and why do we even read the word. Um, and through that, we just this last year, we saw over 150 students give their life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And there's so many young men and women who, as soon as hearing the word of God and hearing the truth, they cling to it, and they like immediately, almost like within the week, are out sharing the gospel. With Hallelujah. Uh, and it's just so powerful to be a part of such an amazing ministry, and just seeing how God's really changed my life, and how he's changing the lives of so many students every year. Amen. Glory to God. God bless you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, didn't that make you feel better? It made me feel a lot better when Sarah testified on Wednesday, and I wanted to make sure that she had an opportunity because that's what it's all about. It's about, my brothers and sisters, having young people, older people, wherever you are, making sure that people do know the truth and not jumping on people for their shortcomings and not telling people that they're going to die and go to hell. No, there's a truth that they don't know. There's a light that you need to share. Amen? Amen? And so my prayer is, Lord, that we would continue in your word and that we would be more inspired because of what you've said through our sister Sarah and what you're doing through that ministry. And Lord, even more what you're going to say to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to 2 Corinthians where we have been. And I'll just you could write this down, take notes. I want to blow through this as quick as I can, but Lord, have mercy on me. <laughs> In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, even if our gospel is being veiled, now we had been in this uh, um, scripture for a little while, going back and forth as it relates to spiritual battles, contending for the faith, knowing the truth. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves are bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Are you getting, is it starting to track with you a little bit? Is it starting to track a little bit? The light of the gospel, the light, Jesus bringing light to the world. Amen? Truth. Truth. In Psalm 119.30, it says, The entrance of your words give light and understanding to the simple. I am so thankful for that. Yes. <laughs> Luke is already laughing at me. You know what I'm going to say? I've said it time and time again. I am not a highly intelligent human being. I don't have to be. His words, the, listen, the entrance of his word gives light, gives me understanding, gives me, come on, gives me knowledge. Yes. It gives understanding to the simple. You do not have to be a theologian. You do not have to have high, high, high IQ. You don't have to. You just have to study this word and you just have to love Jesus. Yes. 
You just pursue Jesus and his word gives you understanding. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an awesome thing? Hallelujah. 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 So look, I'm going to challenge everybody before this, before this service is over. Young people, you have no excuse. Older people, we definitely have no excuse because we've lived long enough to see what a culture that is still based somewhat on Judeo-Christian values looked like. The younger people don't. But younger people, you do have a, a knowledge now that you didn't have and you're responsible for it. There is no way that you can stand... I don't know why I went here. This is Christmas morning. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you have no excuse because you're hearing a word. And remember, the entrance of his word gives light. Amen. You know something. Amen? Yes. All right. So Luke, not this one, this one. <laughs> Luke 11, verse 34. I'm so happy I can hardly speak. <laughs> the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. Amen. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. What in the world did he just say? Now, look, my brothers and sisters, honestly, I, I could give you a bunch of scriptures and we could cross-reference and we could break this down and let scripture interpret scripture. But let's just look at it and, and some of us, many of us have, have already studied this. This is not talking about someone who has physically bad eyes. This is speaking of the motivation of the heart. This is speaking of what has your attention right? This is speaking of what your gaze is fixed upon, right? Which, which is, it, it speaks to internally, you know, and it affects you inside, outside. So when it's talking about, if you're focusing, if your gaze is on something that's, that you think is right, but it's wrong, you don't even realize how dark you are. If you read this in context, if you talk about, if you look at this, I mean, it, it's, it, it really does talk about having your focus on earthly things. Amen? And, and listen, not all of the earthly things, I want to say this because I don't want to be looked at as a Pharisee, but at the same time, my brothers and sisters, we need to realize not all of the earthly things that we may have a goal set toward means that we're, you know, we're dark, we're living in dark places or that we have, no, there are some things that, you know, you should desire or you could desire that does, doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in sin or that your focus, your gaze is upon something. So as long as that thing isn't put ahead of Jesus. Amen? See, there's, there are folks in this room that uh, look to get married, and there are certainly people watching that um, you know, have their hearts set on marrying a certain person, or not, not necessarily even a certain person, even the right person, but marriage is on their list, wanting to have a family. Um, young people, you're thinking about, I know my granddaughter is thinking about, you know, which granddaughters, which college to go to, where we go with the future, you know, wh where we're going. There's nothing wrong with considering those things. There's nothing wrong with it. But my brothers, my sisters, young brothers, young sisters, as long as those things don't become the things that move you, they're not placed ahead of your spiritual life. No, more succinctly and precisely, not ahead of Christ. Then that light that was, because anything is ahead of him, then that light in you is darkness. Yes. Amen? Amen? He came to bring light. Amen. Amen. And life, he says that, oh, we'll get there. I'm gonna, I almost blew everything right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. So look, I was going to name this sermon, The Three Blind 
mice, but then cross out and say, man, tell them I'll call them back. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to talk about three blind men and we're going to get out of here. I want you to be with your families and enjoy the rest of the day. So I'm going to go through this quickly, I hope. We're going to begin in Acts. In Acts chapter 26, and we're going to be talking about Saul of Tarsus. And we already know that Saul is, is he's not only prosecuting, he's persecuting, he's, he's killing the church. And he thinks he's doing a favor for God. Amen? <clears throat> so now we know that Saul is on the road to Damascus. He's going to Damascus. He has the authority. He's going to arrest some people, bring them for trial, and prosecute them. Amen? He's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus knocks him down. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And we'll pick up in verse 15. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will, let, will yet reveal to you. Now, he's giving this testimony, Right? Look at verse 17 with me. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What is he doing? I'm going to send you out to the Gentiles. Why? They need to know that I'm the light of the world. They need to know. Amen? You're going to preach to them. You're going to turn them from the darkness that, thou, that now has them in bondage, and you're going to share with them the light of the gospel of Christ. You're going to share with them that I am the light of the world. Amen? Amen? Come to set them free from the power of darkness, from the power of Satan. Amen? Hallelujah. So now... Saul, we, we know of him, and many of us in this room have studied and, and so on and so forth. Saul actually did think that he was doing a favor for God. Remember, uh, I mean, he grew up at the feet of Gamaliel. He studied. He was a theologian. He was a Pharisee. In fact, we know from his writings, his own letter, that you know, who, he was high and mighty as it related to what he had, who he was. He had status. He, had, he, was, a, he was a Roman citizen. He had money. His family had money. He's, but... Through his, by his own mouth, he said, I consider all of those things dung, garbage, compared to the excellency of knowing Christ. He saw the light. Yes. Hallelujah. He saw the light. Amen? But even for all of that, my brothers and sisters, I'm saying, okay, Lord, everybody knows that. Everybody has, has read that story. Mostly everybody in my church certainly knows the story of Saul. What, what does that say to us? What are you teaching us? My brothers and my sisters, there are, I, I can't believe the number of people who would even say to themselves or think among themselves or even say out loud how um, smart that they are as it relates to the things of this world, their high degree of intellect, or even, even things of the scripture. But make sure that that light that you think you have isn't darkness because look at Saul. He thought he was doing God a favor according to the scriptures that he studied from the time he was knee-high to a grasshopper. For you people that are not from the south, that means he was real young. 
right? And so he thought he was doing everything well. The, the, at that moment, what the, he had the Word of God in him, but he was misinterpreting it. He didn't understand it. He was just like the rest of the Pharisees who John the Baptist said, you're, you're a brood of vipers. Told that to the religious people. And so we also look at, it's also not just about religion. Remember, those people, that, that group, even though they were in subjugation to the Romans, their religion was their culture. That informed their whole way of life. Right? So it's not, so, so when it translates over to me, when I'm reading that, when I'm trying to understand that, okay, Lord, what are you ministering to us? Everything about who we are, what we live, has to be informed by this. Amen? So then we're going to have pressures and we're going to think that it's a good thing to, you know, achieve a high degree of financial uh, uh, blessing and, you know, that makes us successful and because we're blessed in the financial realm that, you know, God is blessing us. They thought that. And we also think that to a certain degree in this culture that we live in. And some of us even will give the glory to God. Oh yeah, God. But my brothers and my sisters, is that, are we really, is that really what we're conscious of? Is that really, are we really following Jesus? And as a result of following Jesus, now we're being blessed financially? Or are we following the finances and then trying to bless Jesus with our mouths only? Come on. Ooh, that was good. I didn't even plan that. That was good. But no, I'm not trying to be silly or funny here. Think about that. Make sure that the light in you is not darkness. It has to be totally informed by Jesus. Totally informed by Jesus. Amen? And as smart as he was, as informed as he was concerning not only, listen, not only the religion that they followed, their law, their civil law, right? Their the law, the justice, everything that they followed, the Romans still gave them a certain degree of authority to rule their own people, but it was under Rome, right? But there was still a certain, they had to answer to their Sanhedrin. They had to answer to the religious and therefore the cultural social authority. Come on. So even though Paul was maxed out and he was so maxed out that he was doing these things, it was misinformed. And he was successful at what he thought he was supposed to be doing until he saw the light. Jesus stopped him in his tracks. Hallelujah. And Jesus revealed himself. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. It's Jesus. The one you're persecuting. And what does he do? He tells them, this is what you're going to do for me. But it, Jesus could have snapped his finger, could have spoke a word, and Paul could have received his sight. But what did he do? He sent him to a disciple, not an apostle, to just a believer. Just a believer who had faith. Know how I know he had faith? Because he went and saw Saul. Yes. Remember, you guys know it. When God spoke to him, you want me to see who? Isn't that the one that's killing us? Yeah, yeah, go and see him. I'm telling the things that he must suffer for my name's sake. He already knows it. He's called. He's a chosen vessel. He already knows it. And so, my brothers and my sisters, we know the end of the story. We know what happens. You know, it was, I think it was a two-way thing there. It was just as much for Saul, Paul, 
as it was for Ananias and the church. Why? Because now there's a witness. He laid hands on him. He saw his sight recover. There's no, there's, there's been this total change that came over this person. This person who had authority, this person who was well-respected, this person who had money, this person who was looked upon, who had status, stature, everything that he could ever want in this life, this person had all of that, but Jesus called him away from that. He saw the light. Hallelujah. And now we see the light. We who? The church. Jesus just changed that man. So now when he comes to your town to preach... Go ahead on out there. <laughs> you don't have to worry about being killed anymore by this particular. So it's just as much for the church to see the, that God can change anybody and everybody. The gospel is for all who will. Rich, poor, young, old. Come on. Hallelujah. So that was one blind man that saw the light. We're going to go to another blind man now. This blind man is in John chapter 9. And he was born blind. Remember, Jesus and his disciples you know, were on their way. I'm going to read from um, verse 1, chapter 9. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Look at with the, uh, verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. Amen? So now look, the first thing is they're, they're, they're attaching some of their religious beliefs and some of those things that they had believed from before. And they say, okay, this man was born blind. It's because of his uncleanness, because of his sin or his parents' sin. So Jesus, this man was born blind. Was it his parents' sin or was it his sin? Jesus said, neither. Neither. Now, I know many of you, I know all of you, in fact, are probably familiar with this story. Okay, what does that have to do with, with me? With you? See, because there are a lot of times when we go ahead, and, and not as much anymore, where we would say, um, because of my upbringing, I'm not worthy. It's not like that anymore. Now, because of the psychobabble and because of all of the religious, the, the secular religions, let me say it that way, we always look back to blame our upbringing. It's not, we're sorry about it, and it's, it's holding us back. It's when we make a mistake and when we fail, we look back and we blame our upbringing. We, oh, come on, we're looking at the upbringing as the excuse for the things that we've done, not an excuse for the things that we won't do. Huh? Boy, that was good. Did you catch that? Let me, let me say that again. We look at the upbringing as an excuse for the things that we've done, not for the things that we haven't done. I'm saying to you, my brothers and my sisters, those of you who love the Lord and those of you who think that you can't do or Jesus can't use you in an area because you didn't grow up in the church, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Neither did Peter. He grew up on a boat. He, oh, come on. Come on. Come, come on. God, Jesus, is the light. When that light shines upon you, everything changes. We're without excuse. 
Can't, bring, can't be my upbringing. But then how about this? Was it, was it his parents' sin? Was it his sin? So then so many of us think, I made so many mistakes in my life. I've come from this thing. I've done so many bad things. Surely I'll be glad, grateful, just to make it into heaven by the skin of my teeth. Mm -mm. No, it, it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. In fact, it might be the past that you've led that brings you to this place where Jesus speaks new life into you and now, my brothers and sisters, you are usable. Now you can bring glory to God. Why? Because you were there and now you're here and you could say, hey, I've got a testimony. I can testify. Jesus is the reason that I live like this. Jesus is the glory to God. Amen? See, it, might, it doesn't matter. What matters is this. Jesus is the light. Yes. Hallelujah. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There's more to this story and I know many of you know this. But think about this. Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud with the clay and, and anoints his eyes. This is Jesus who could speak and it will be done. Jesus spoke and it was created. Jesus spoke and everything that we see was made. He took nothing and made something out of it just by speaking. He could have spoke, but why did he do this? Now, some people would just say to you, well, it's just, um, uh, it's just old wise fa uh, fables that in the Jewish custom, they believed that you know, the saliva had actually some medicinal, um, uh, whatever, it, it, some medicinal value. Uh, I've, lo I've looked it up. I tried to look. The only thing that I could actually see, and please, if you know, yeah, you can let me know later, but... The only thing that I actually was able to see is, or determine is that after these things, then they thought that maybe there was something that had to, the saliva had some medicinal values. Okay? But Jesus could have done it anyway. So I want to know, Lord, why would you do it that way? And the only thing I could think about was before and after. And you look at after when the Pharisees start making a big fuss. They make a fuss because Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And, of course, he can't be a true prophet. You know, uh, you know we, we obey Moses. You know, we, we, know, we know Moses. We, this guy, no, there's no way. If he was a true prophet, he wouldn't be healing on the Sabbath day. So not only just heal somebody, but he did it manually. He made clay. He made mud. That was a no-no on the Sabbath. You couldn't do that. So he, he actually, I think that Jesus was trying to say, your rituals, your customs, these things that you've added to the law mean absolutely nothing. It's, it's nothing. That, that, that's man-made stuff. And they were constantly trying to tag Jesus about the Sabbath, doing this on the Sabbath, doing that on the Sabbath. Amen? Because they attached their rules and regulations to it. Because they thought what it should look like. They interpreted it the way they wanted to interpret it. They passed that down to... So my brothers and sisters, I can't as a pastor, I can't as a teacher, preacher, and you can't as a person who is following Jesus, who has the light of God in them. We can't demand something of someone that we can't do ourselves. 
Do you get mad when people talk bad about you behind your back? Then stop talking about people behind their back. It's pretty quiet. No, 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 seriously. And listen, anything and everything, I can't, so I don't know how I got there from here except that they put laws and rules and regulations and it, and it doesn't bring more light. It actually dims the light. It, it, ma- it, makes th- it brings darkness to this light. Because now you're saying, you know, this is, no, you have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You have the very Messiah who you've been waiting for, sitting there in front of you, pro- performing signs, wonders, and miracles. He's interpreting the scripture for you. He says, you search the scripture because in them you think you'll find eternal life. They speak of me. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, I look at this. I I can't, there's no excuse. I can't blame my past, my parents. I can't blame, how about this? I was treated so badly, I'm just scarred for life now. Isn't that what we're, isn't that what's being told? Isn't that always the excuse that we have, again, for doing things bad, not for doing the right thing, right? My brothers and my sisters, this shouldn't be that... (laughs) We are called, no matter how bad we were, no matter what the situation or circumstances, no matter what, we are called to glorify God. So those bad things that have happened in your life, hallelujah, Jesus can use that and you will be glorifying God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those bad, oh man. So look at all of, you might be going through a really bad circumstance or situation right now. It might, and, and in your heart, you know, this is not good. I, I, don't, I, I don't feel it. Some of you may be in here today just because it's Christmas. Some of you may be watching just because it's Christmas. But you just don't feel it. Let's, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to feel it. Know what you need to do? Is you just need to get to that place where you're willing to say, Jesus is truth. I'm just going to follow him. Yeah, but I, I tried that and, you know, everything, it doesn't work out good. He never promised you that it was going to work out good. What he promised you was an inheritance. What he promised you was everlasting life with him. And what he did promise you, he said this, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're persecuting me, they're going to persecute you. But that's okay. That's how you know you're doing it right. Hallelujah. And listen, my brothers and my sisters, so watch. That stuff that you're suffering and that stuff, I don't feel it because, you know, I got this problem, that problem, the other problem. I don't even know where my next meal is coming Give it to Jesus because in that, somewhere in the middle of that, if you just give it to Jesus and stay the court. Hey, this, this was a grown adult. Remember when he went and he gave the testimony. Remember that? When, he test- when they called him in. The Pharisees called him in when the religious authority called him in and he gave a testimony. Then the parents had to be called in because they wanted to make sure he was really blind from birth. And what did the parents say? He's an adult. Talk to him. They didn't want to give a testimony. They wanted to be thrown out of synagogue. They wanted to be thrown out. Come on. You, you know what I'm saying. He's an adult. Talk to him. So that tells me that he's been blind for a long time. So some of you say, it's been this way for a long time. I've been suffering this for a long time. Man, maybe just God has forgotten about me. No, God has not forgotten about you. Don't forget about him. If you put him first, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you have need for endurance because at the end of this is the blessing. Don't sell short. Don't give up. 
Don't think that God has forgotten you because you are suffering with this for a while. God has not forgotten you. God will, love, God will always love you. He'll never leave you forsake you. But if you follow Jesus, if you keep your eyes on that light, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, what he did for him, he'll do for you. Why? Because it's not about you anyway. It's about glorifying God. Why do I got to do this? Why do I gotta... wah, wah, wah. Because God wants to be glorified. God's got somebody he wants to receive ministry through you. Hallelujah. And I'm so excited. I'm spitting and spewing up here. I just want somebody to get this. Hallelujah. I don't know if I've ever preached on Christmas. I mean, from a pulpit. I mean, I've always preached on Christmas, but I don't know if I've ever preached from, from a pulpit. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. So what happens if he doesn't go to the pool of Siloam? You know, Siloam means sent. What happens if he doesn't go to the pool of Siloam? He's still blind. He's still blind. See, that's the other thing. Now, he, I, don't, I don't suppose he's, not, he's blind. He doesn't see what Jesus is doing, mixing up that mud. You know, maybe it's a good thing he didn't see Jesus do that. Maybe he went, but but, but he's, he, he puts it on, and now Jesus said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam. So he goes. But if he doesn't go, what? Nothing. He said, what is this on my eyes? What is dirt on my eyes? Now, let me ask you something. He probably had had dirt on his eyes before. Yeah. He's blind. I'm sure in between the time that he was born and the time that he is this, uh, this adult, he's fallen down and he's gotten dirt in his eyes before. Yeah. I'm sure he's had some wet dirt, mud in his eyes before. But this is the only time that it was put there by the Lord and the Savior, by the light of the world. And this was the only time where the light of the world told him specifically, go here and do this. And he went there and he did that. And he saw. Hallelujah. You know, maybe all that was to say, look it, you want to see? Here you go. Do this. He, he didn't even, look, look, remember, the man didn't even come up to him and approach him. The man didn't even approach him. Jesus and his disciples, Jesus knew. His disciples said, who sinned? Him or his parents? Neither. But watch what's going to happen. Watch the way the Lord is going to be glorified in this. This was done so that the Pharisees can have more against me. This was done because God's will is, it, listen, God's will is going to be done. Whether I get on board with it or not, his will is going to be done. Hallelujah. Might as well get on board. So here's, so go and wash. He goes and he washes. See, that's the problem. See, he proved his faith in that. He gets someone he's never seen. He, surely he's heard of him. But someone he's never really seen. And he gets this, and, and this, one, this person that he's never seen, go and do this. And so he goes and does it. So how many times, my brothers and sisters, have you been in this church, wherever, you listen to your second greatest, your second favorite preacher, and he's saying something, and then you, you hear it. So some of you got that, I appreciate you. So you hear it but you don't do it. See, some of these things that you're suffering are because he already sent you. And you didn't follow through. You already know, but you didn't do it. You started to do it, but something distracted you. So you find yourself in this spot. So then you start looking for another way. But Jesus said, I'm the way. 
That light in you might be dark. Might be dark. Hallelujah. All right. One more blind man. Blind Bartimaeus. Now this is in all the synoptics. I think that in a couple they haven't paired up. But we're going to read out of Luke. Luke chapter 18. Beginning in verse 35. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now many of us in this room, and we were learned, we know what, what he's saying. When he's saying Son of David, he's, he's saying, I know who you are. I'm declaring that you are the Messiah. As far as Bartimaeus was concerned, he heard it was Jesus. He's the Messiah. And, and what is he saying? Have mercy on me. Just, just, just show me some mercy. See, see, watch. He's not saying, Jesus, I'm owed this. Come on. Jesus, I've endured this for a long time. I've prayed a bunch. So Jesus, I'm owed this. Or Jesus, it should be this way. Uh-uh. Jesus, have mercy on me. And did you notice that the crowd who are following Jesus and probably some of his disciples because we know that they were good at that. They were trying to prevent, remember, even before this, they were trying to prevent the little children to come to Jesus. They were always trying to protect Jesus, right? Surround them, making sure nobody was getting near him, nobody was bothering him, you know. But, but he didn't, well, let them, no, don't stop them. Don't prevent them. Let them to come, tell them to, to come to me. People need to see this stuff. People need to see, right? Because this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Where there are children who are in love with their father, children who love God, children, children who trust God, just have faith. They just love their daddy. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Come on. So they're always protecting him, try to keep him a little bit insulated. And so now, my brothers and sisters, there's no question in my mind that some of the disciples were probably the ones that were saying, shut him up. Leave the master alone, man. We got someplace we got to be. Come on. Have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you were going to somebody for either some help or you're trying to talk with someone and you know that they're not there. They're not listening. Or they're hearing partially. But they're not really engaged with you. Happens to me every Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Some of you. <laughs> no, but, but think about that for a moment. Right? Think about that. So, so now watch. Now you have people... The, listen, just shut up. Just, just shut up. See, Jesus, we know Jesus responds. He's listening. And he stops. Stop! That's an awesome thing. But the others, shut up! Keep quiet. Don't act a fool. Man, I've been in some churches like that. If that's the way they want it, that's up to them. 
But my brothers and my sisters, how can I, how can I preach like this and speak in the King James when I know what he's done inside of me? How can I, how can I, how can I hold back? How can I not get excited? How can I not, come on, get amped up? Amen? How can I not get amped up? So, so, so this, hey, this man, as far as he's concerned, Bartimaeus is in, this, in the vicinity of the Messiah. And he is not going to let that pass by. Come on, my brothers and my sisters, there have been too many church services here and other places, but here where he was here, and you, me, we, you mostly, just let him pass by. I, I have never seen, man, I'll give an altar call and no one will come. And it's because you're afraid somebody's going to think that you're, you're, you're in sin. No, it's just get up here, let's pray. You know what, there's some of the best prayer happens when you leave and there's a handful of men standing up here praying. And you could be a part of that. Why? Listen, Jesus is here. Let's not let him pass by. When you go into your closet and you're praying in the name of Jesus, don't let it pass by. Stay there. If you, you know what? Sometimes, did you ever think about this? That maybe, you know, you need to go ahead and pray in public and not be so afraid that maybe young people, maybe God is, is wanting you to get at that lunch table with at least one of your friends who happens to be born again. And maybe God wants you two to team up like Sarah and her fellow students have teamed up and making a difference for God. Maybe on your high school campus, maybe on your middle school campus, maybe you just need to go ahead and pray for your food before you eat it and not worry about what anybody else says or thinks. Don't let Jesus pass by. He said, give thanks for the food that you have. Don't let him pass by. Thank you. I'm not going to let this moment pass by. It's just, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Hallelujah. It's peanut butter and jelly, but Lord, you're the one that caused the peanuts to grow. You're the one that caused the, the grapes to grow. You're the one. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. And we're just going to let that moment pass by. Bartimaeus, blind. He wants, listen, this is the Messiah. I am not letting him pass by. Shut up. No. Hallelujah. Son of David. Made him, made him yell louder. So look, what are you going to do? Because they're shutting us up now. They're shutting us up. They're trying to step, they're trying to just go ahead and, yeah, you do that inside those four walls and that's it. My brothers and my sisters, the time is coming. The time is coming. I will be arrested for things that I'm saying right now. Oh, Tony. No. It's, it's, it's going to happen. What will you do? Will you listen to that crowd, the culture out there that's saying things like, yeah, but there's more than one way to get to God. Those people that believe Jesus only, they're intolerant, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're, they're hateful. You know, they're, they're calling us all of those names when in fact, Jesus, the light of the world, is all about love. In his essence, he is love. And he says, whoever will, whoever will, he discriminates against no one. So while they're trying to give social justice, ecological justice, financial justice, there is only one who is just. His name is Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So look, so Jesus stands still. He hears, okay, he stands still. Bring him to me. Now they changed their tune just a little bit. Hey, awesome. Let's get him. 
I, I can imagine this. This is just the way Tony thinks. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. Hear my heart. I'm not saying just, thus saith the Lord. But you, I know people, and people are just, So you know some of the loudest ones that were saying, shut up, shut up. They're the ones that want to help him to get to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that human nature? Isn't that the way it goes? So that's why I'm saying to you, young people, old people, whoever you are, man, don't listen to them. Listen to God. Yeah. Listen to God. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? Okay. <clears throat> they asked, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Did, now, let me, let me ask you something. Did Jesus need to ask him that question? Jesus already knew, but he needed to say it. And when he addresses him, he addresses him as Lord. Okay, you know, it could be just a matter of respect, but he's already said, you're the Messiah. So he's, he's saying, you're, you're my Lord that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. This is in verse 42. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Look, now as opposed to the other person that we talked about, the other blind person, he's showing his faith before. He's crying out. And even in the face of people trying to squelch him, even those people that are, they, they, shut up, you're embarrassing us, you're embarrassing yourself. Even that, no, I ain't going to shut up. Son of David. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Hallelujah. So, so let me ask you all something. What are you crying out to? Well, I ain't crying out to nobody. No, no, no. What are you crying out to? What are you looking at? What is it the thing that you has your, this is the thing that's going to solve my problems. I, if I get this, my problems are solved. If I, if I marry this person, my problems are solved. If I do this, this will be satisfied. If I do that, that'll be satisfied. You will have no satisfaction that will last you any length of time. There's, there's only one who can satisfy. His name is Jesus. He's the light of the world. My brothers and my sisters, that's easy to say, but it's true. It's true. Blind Bartimaeus, I love him. I love him. He's not going to shut up. That's the one that's got, that, that's the one that has the answer. That's the one that could fix it. That's the one. So look at what's broken in your life. Stop trying to look at plan B, C, D, and F. Don't do that. The one that could fix it, his name is Jesus. The one that could fix it, his name is Jesus. Plan A, the only plan. There is no other. He's the light of the world. Amen. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So now look, let's tie the two together. That one was born blind. Who, was, who, who caused his blindness? Was it his sin or his parents? No, that, God, that the will of God could be done. Right? That the work of God could be done. Okay, blind Bartimaeus, was, could it be that he was blind and this was just so that God can be glorified in his life and then also that these other people will praise God? See, my brothers and sisters, some of these things that you think that you're suffering, it's all me, 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 me. No, get, get that out of there. Forget it. God, okay, nothing happens that you don't allow. So God, why am I suffering this? Is it my sin? then reveal it to me that I may confess it and, Father, this is not offensive to you. Or, how about this? God, what is it, how is it that I am to glorify you in this? 
How is it that, yeah, but all my friends are against me. It doesn't matter. Get new ones. Come on. No, no, no. Come on. Amen. Get new ones. Yeah, but these friends, they, they actually like me. We, they don't like you. They don't like you. You know why? Because you're giving them a figment of you. You're giving them a figure of you. You're not giving them the real you. Because if these things are happening inside of you, you're living a double life. Boy, it's a little bit quiet in here. And what happens when you do, that's when you find out who your real friends are, who really loves you, is when you're like Brian Bartimaeus and you say, Jesus, or Son of David. And instead of them saying, it's, come on, what are you doing? Well, this is, the, he's the Messiah. This is Messiah, Son of David. It's right alongside you. Come on. Come on. He followed him. I believe that it didn't mean he just followed him to the next destination. I believe he became a follower of Christ. I believe that when you and I go to heaven, I believe we'll see blind Bartimaeus. And I believe he'll see us. You guys make me work so hard. But, you know, more importantly, my brothers and sisters, he's glorifying God. And all the people who saw it we're praising God. So it's not, again, it's not just for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Has anybody learned anything? Amen. So, so wait. Hallelujah. Let this bring revival to Tony. Uh, Tony wants, let it, be, let it be revival or let it be reconciliation. Some of you who have aughts in your heart against somebody. Some of you who, you know, are, really don't want to be here or whatever the case may be. Listen, you're here. You heard. And some of you have been wondering, you know, why this happens to this person, but it doesn't happen to me. Or this person has that, I don't have that. Stop worrying about everybody else. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? So watch, in Matthew 5, we're going to, if the Lord allows, we'll continue in, in, you know, with maybe a series going into more depth and detail. I was complaining to Michelle for two days. I mean, I've got scriptures like this that and I got to pare it down I'm telling you Matthew 5 14 you are the light of the world remember Jesus said as long as I'm in the world I'm the light of the world guess what he passed that mantle to us you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that what Bartimaeus did? Isn't that, what, isn't that what he did? And how about the other blind man and Saul? Saul was the second greatest man that probably ever walked the face of the earth. What about that other blind man though? When he went to town and testified, he testified before the authorities and he's, they kept asking him the same questions. Remember what he said? He got, a, he, got a little bit, he got a little bit smart with him. You want to know about him? Why do you want to know so much about him? You want to be his disciple too? <laughs> right? But Jesus was glorified. Then he ran into Jesus later. And remember, he had that exchange. And he said, you know, he, Jesus revealed himself to him. You're looking at the Messiah. I believe. I believe. See, some of you are waiting for that 
aha moment. This is it. What? This is it. That's all? Yeah, this is it. There's a little Italian guy right now who doesn't have a high IQ, but has studied this word a long time and has the love of God in his heart for you. And God has chosen me at this moment to speak to you. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? We're going to read this scripture. Yes, would you? We're going to read this last scripture. I hope you would read it with me. And then we're going to close. You ready? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made, excuse me. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is eternal. Whatever darkness that you're experiencing, or whatever the darkness was that you had experienced, past tense, done. It can only affect you if you let it. Or, if you let that light in, you be darkness. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is doing everything he can to make sure that you're receiving his light. Amen? Amen. 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 Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Can, can I, listen, this is Christmas, and we're all, as far as I'm concerned, I've got a lot of my f- blood family members here, but I got family here. I consider all of you my family, even, I haven't seen you in a long time. This is a great Christmas for me. I've seen, seeing people that I didn't expect to see, and that I haven't seen in a little while. But listen, we love each other. There's truth as it relates to, you know, being humble and not caring about what anybody thinks. But I'm, I'm, I want to ask you. Do you know that God has ministered to your heart? No, no, no. I mean in a real way. Like you know that you, you were missing it. Or that really you thought you were born again and you, you weren't. See, when I say these things, don't be embarrassed and then not come up here. Or you know that you missed the mark. And you know that you need to do better. And you want to do better because the Lord has just ministered to your heart. Come on. Come up. And let's pray together. Let's pray together. Not judging each other and wondering, what is it the sin that they committed? If you're worried about that, the light in you is darkness. Because you're more worried about what people think than what God has spoken to your heart. So, please, let's pray together. Anybody, anybody want prayer for anything? Pick up your hand. This would be a great day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.